0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Well, church, we all know where we are. If you're a guest with us this morning, let me get you up to speed. Over the last seven months, we have been working uh, to see what God would have for us for our next pastor in Open Bible. So we are in a process right now of really finding the next pastor of Open Bible Baptist Church. And so over the last several months, we've been able to have many great men of God come here and give us the word of God. And we have just been so blessed to be able to have people that would take time out of their pulpits and their church and their agendas and and their schedules to come and be a minister to our church. And I believe we've had some great preaching. Don't you agree? I believe the word of God has been preached, and I believe the Bible has been taught, and that's what we need for daily life and living the Christian life. So today's no different. We have a friend of our ministry. His name's Gary Wemberley. Many of you will probably know him. He and his wife, a pastor over in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Most of you know that as the promised land, and that's where you go to be able to get out of whatever this place is, and go there. So that's a wonderful place to go. And so, Gary, you live in the Promised Land, so you're going to bring a lighthearted, fun, and short message to us today, right? Okay, he said no to the short part, but Gary, would you come? Welcome him as he comes, and he speaks to us this morning, all right? Hey, well, good morning. Take
2: your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John, the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. John. And uh, if you're new to the Bible, you can find the New Testament and turn four books, and uh, you'll find the fourth book of the G- Gospel of John. And uh, it's a delight for my wife and I to be here back with you. Uh, it, it, we're so familiar with Open Bible, it is, it's just like, almost like a second home almost like, when I come in. And uh, I tell you, just, just so thankful uh, for the worship this morning, for how it blessed my heart, speak to my life and preparing my heart for today and it's good to see so many familiar faces good to see some new faces today and uh, just delight to be here i'm sorry i didn't bring the the lancaster smell with me uh to share with you i couldn't bottle it up to bring it uh but i will tell you this if you if you want to if you want to smell something wonderful just head to lancaster and uh and you'll uh, get a great whiff of our area and uh, over there but uh, I tell you, hey, in just a moment, we're going to be in John 17. But before we do that, um, most of you know, I, I'm a pastor of a pastor's heart. And um, I want to before we jump in this one, I want you to do something for me. Uh, and just really, really honestly, to be just truthful, the Lord really laid this in my heart a couple of days ago to do and why I don't know, but I'm going to obey him and do what he's laid on my heart to do. Uh, I want you to grab out a scrap piece of paper, maybe the back of the bulletin you received this morning or something you had to write on. And here's what I want you to do this morning. Before we even start, I want you to write down the one thing, and maybe there's more than one, that's okay, but the one thing right now that is a struggle in your life, a challenge in your life, a difficulty going on right now in your life. Maybe something hard you're dealing with, maybe. You're overwhelmed by something. Maybe you're anxious over something. Just what's the one thing? And maybe you say, Pastor, i got more than one. All right, Write two things. <laughs> but what is the one thing right now that I'm, I'm really struggling with? And here's the thing, that I need God to speak into this morning. I need God to speak into this, into my life this morning. I'll give you a, a couple seconds to write it down. Then we're, I'm going to make my prayer, and then we're going to look at John 17. Now, here's what I want to tell you before I make my prayer. I know, no matter what you wrote down, I know God can speak into that this morning. I know He can because He's God. But I want to also say, because I don't want you to be disappointed, I don't know if He will. Maybe this isn't the time. But sometimes it helps us to see, what is my need in my life today? What do I need God to do today in my life and so here i'm going to invite you to pray with me i want you to i want to invite you to say say lord would you speak into this in my life some way somehow through your word today i need you to speak into this this morning so would you bow your heads with me with you and uh, let's pray together and then we'll look at john 17 lord thank you for the, the the privilege the opportunity to be back at open bible and Lord, I was looking back and it seems like I've been here at least once a year for the last four or five years. And Lord, I'm thankful for Pastor Idell and his friendship that allowed me to come and to be a, a ministering spirit to this church. And thank you for the prayers of this church for my family, for myself, and as we, as we journey through cancer. And, and Lord, the encouragement and support they were to us through prayer. Lord, thank you for the friends that we've made over the years. And and Lord, I'm, I'm I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here, to be in front of these people again, to share your word. And so my prayer, Lord, today, as I said I would pray, and Lord, whatever they wrote down, whatever the, the family of Jesus here today wrote down, would you, in your grace and in your mercy and your sovereignty, would you speak into their life in this situation today? Use something in your word and by your Holy Spirit to speak it into their life, to minister to them, to to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring grace, to bring mercy, to bring forgiveness. Whatever the need is, whatever you need to do in that situation, would you work mightily in them today? And Lord, I pray that no matter what you do and no matter how you work, that we would all be able to leave here today, being able to say it was good to be in God's house with God's people Lord, that we'd be open and mindful and ready to obey whatever you show us today. And we'll thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. John chapter 17, if I had to entitle the message today, it would be the answer to Jesus' prayer. The answer to Jesus' prayer. You know, nothing brings people together like the Christmas season. And it's just something about once you make that turn after Thanksgiving, it just seems like Christmas hits the air. I mean, I remember probably back 1st of October, the stores were already putting out Christmas decorations and selling Christmas trees. And, and Hobby Lobby was already having 50% off Christmas back in October. And, and just, the I mean, Christmas is just this thing of, it seems like it just brings everyone together. And today I want to talk about that very subject. I want to talk to you about this morning what Jesus would love to see from you and from me in this season in our spiritual lives and in our church. What would Jesus love to see from us in this season in our own personal spiritual lives and in His church? A man by the name of Richard Owen Roberts said this. He said, revival is the sudden awareness of the absence of God. Think about that just for a moment. Revival is the sudden awareness of the absence of God. And I want to take and spin off of that and say this to us this morning, that nothing can cause the absence and the blessing and the working of the Holy Spirit in a church more than a lack of unity a lack of unity in john chapter 17 this is the last prayer that jesus prays before he gets to the cross and we we know he makes a prayer on the cross but he's with his disciples and they're gathered together And this is the last recorded prayer that we have before jesus heads to the cross and and uh, we're not going to read all of this prayer, but we are going to hit some of these areas this morning. And we're going to try to work through, and I want you to see this morning that the one thing Jesus prayed before He went to the cross is He prayed for you. He prayed for you. Do you, see, you hear that? He prayed for you before He went to the cross. Look at John 17. And we're going to begin for today beginning In verse 13 and then read down through verse 23 so if you have the bible follow along if you would and in the middle of his prayer he said this and now i come to thee and these things i speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves and i have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as i am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast gave, gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me." Jesus here is in the upper room, and he's got his, I call it his team together, and there's 11 of these men. One is left, his name is Judas, and we won't go down that road today, but there's 11 up in this room, and it's just minutes, maybe an hour before Jesus heads off to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what we know is Passion Week will begin, and, and we see here in this last recorded prayer that Jesus is praying with these 11 men. He's praying to his Father for these 11 men, this team specifically. But also, I want you to notice, if you would, in, in, back in verse number 21, or verse 20, he says, neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me. He's praying also in that moment for you for those that one day down the road, down the centuries, that would believe on Jesus Christ. Jesus is praying for His team that is present with Him, and He's praying for those that one day will be assembled together, which is us. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Let me, let's talk just a few minutes about these two teams, the the one that's there in this passage and us that are here this morning. I want you to notice, number one, that Jesus said to these 12 men, He called all of them to follow Him. And they followed Jesus for three years. But not only that, Jesus also in this passage tells us there's another group that's going to assemble, One day, and that assembly is known as the what? The church. It's the word ecclesia. Now, I find this very interesting. The word ecclesia is does not mean church. Now it's gonna shock some of you. The word ecclesia doesn't mean church, the word ecclesia means a called out assembly for a purpose. Now, when we think of church, what do we simply think of? Four walls and a roof with pews and, and, and carpet, and, and we get a, a building in our mind. That is not what Jesus meant by this Ecclesia by this, this word. He's talking about the people, the called out ones, the ones that are gathering together for a purpose and for a reason. And we see that in Matthew chapter 16, and we see that in Acts chapter 2. And then Paul, the apostle, begins to write some things about this team of people, this gathering of people, this called out assembly of people. And he describes them in this way. In 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes this gathering of people like a body. They are like a body, for the body is not one member, but many. In Romans 12 and verse 5, he says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another." So Paul says this body of people, this group of people, this team that Jesus has brought out together is to be like a body. Now let me just quickly say to you, you can't have a body and every part of the body not working together, can you? If this leg doesn't want to cooperate with this leg, am I going to have a problem? Absolutely. Because the, the, they may be legs and they may be arms, but it's what? It's one body that has to work together, that has to be in oneness. It has to be in unity for it to function properly. He also described in Ephesians chapter 2 that this assembly, this body of people, are like a building. He says, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple into the lord let me say to you i know nothing about buildings i know how to tear them down if you want this building tore down give me a hammer give me a saw i'll go to town we'll get it knocked down but putting it together i I, that's not me but i do know this that if you do not set the walls right and you do not set the trusses right and you not get it framed correctly, and you don't get it plumbed correctly, where everything fits together, what's going to happen to the building when a wind comes through? It's going to fall apart. So watch this. Paul says this assembly is like a body that is one body working together. It's like a building that comes together and fits snug together, that no matter when the winds come, or the rains come, or the storms come, the building lasts. That's what he's describing about you and I. And then thirdly, Paul says this, or Peter actually says this about this group of people. He says they're like stones. They're like stones to build a building. In 1 Peter 2, 5, he says, you also as lively stones are built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God." by jesus christ now do you see anything that is parallel in all of these three descriptions a body with many parts but is what one a building that was what you got many things to a building but it comes together as what one you have a lot of stones there's a lot of stones in the creek beds and but he uses these little stones and puts them together to build a what a house one So let me ask you this morning, what do you think the expectation is of the church to be together? One. In unity. In unison together. Jesus expressed this desire in His prayer here in John chapter 17. Look if you would back in verse 11. He says, "...and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am come to thee, Holy Father." Keep through thine own name those thou hast given me that they may be what, church? One. Jesus is praying. The, the, you can think of all the things just hours before the cross. You may question, what is Jesus thinking about? What would be on Jesus' mind more than anything before going to the cross? And wouldn't you know it, he prays and he reveals that the most important thing on his heart before going to the cross, is that you as the body of Jesus Christ would be in unity together. His number one heart issue is oneness, our oneness together. That we as the new family of Jesus would come together, we would be in union together, that we would have unity together. And Jesus pictures this unity as oneness as he is expecting this to be as it is with his Father. Look back at verse 21. He says, That they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is there any division between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Not one iota of disunity. And here's what his prayer was. Father, I'm praying that the same unity that me and you and Spirit have together, I'm praying that my family, my assembly, my called out ones, my church would have that same unity among themselves. When I preach a message, I always give a sermon in a sentence and Here's my sermon in a sentence today. Jesus is praying for our unity. Jesus is praying for our unity. And you and I are the answer. You and I are the answer to Jesus' prayer for unity today. So let's look and let's see how can you and I... Be the answer to Jesus' prayer for oneness, for unity today. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. Number one, the truth is central. The truth is central to the polarization of the church. The truth is central to the polarization of the church. How many of you ever played with magnets? Did you ever play with magnets? And you remember, you, you wanted to turn them so they, you didn't really care if they came together, but we turned them around where both poles were the same, and it would do what when we tried to push them together? It would repel, it would, it would, it would try to distract. And magnets, magnets have polarization. You say, Pastor, what does is, what is polarization mean? What is polarity? It means that a body of materials are to be magnetized together or they attract together or they come together. That's what a magnet does. It has polarity on, on a negative and a positive. And when it gets close together, what ends up happening? It comes together. and They're stuck together. They are polarized. They, they have polarization. And what Jesus is telling us here in his word, what is the one thing? What is the one thing that brings you and me together because here's the problem we aren't like each other you're not like me and i'm not like you amen see i learned some things when i moved north when i came out of the south here's what i learned there's some people that just don't like turnip greens there's some of you and i'm praying for you but you don't like black eyed peas and rice We'll have prayer after church today for you. (laughs) There are some things that we're just not alike about. Some of you have, some of you, hey, when I, when I ended up in, in Lancaster, I, I, somebody said, hey, pastor, um, can we bring sauerkraut to the Thanksgiving dinner? I said, why? (laughs) That's what we eat with our turkey and mashed potatoes? I said you're weird. <laughs> Listen, some of you Jerseyans, you do some weird stuff. Some of Pennsylvanians, they do some weird stuff. The only normal people are people from the South. <laughs> yeah, I man, that's right. See, we're not alike. And imagine this. This is, and, I, and I've told my wife this many times. When I get to heaven, I want to ask Jesus, what in the world was he thinking? How in the world, what gave you the idea to bring people together that are so dislike with one another, they like different colors, they like different drinks, they like different styles, they, they like different hair colors, they like all these things that are different, and yet you bring them all together in one family and say, hey, I want you to get along. You ever thought about it that way? That's the church. So here's, we got to step back and say, okay, what is the, because of all the dislikes that we have, all the ways that we're different, that we're not the same, what is it? What is it that brings you and I together that we can overlook? all of our differences, all of our preferences, all the things that we are not alike about, what is the one thing that can bring us together like a body, that can bring us together like a building, that can bring us together like a family? What is the one thing? It's the gospel. It's the truth. Look at what he says back in verse 17 sanctify them, set them apart, Father. Jesus is praying to the Father. Father, set them apart through Thy truth. Then He tells us what the truth is. Your Word is the truth. The only thing out here that is going to bring all of us together that are so different is not our likes and dislikes, it is the gospel, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's gonna bring us together. That's what's gonna cause us to have oneness in our life. Many of you have different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures, different personalities, different preferences, different likes and dislikes, and yet, Jesus expected us to come together like glue. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.15, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I want to tell you what Paul was saying to Timothy. Timothy, I know you got a church full of different people with different likes and dislikes, but the one thing, the one thing that the church is to be known for is not our preferences, not our likes, not our dislikes. We are to be known for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together. That is what will draw people to His church. The truth. What is the truth that polarizes us? Would you hold your place there in John and go to the book of 1 Timothy real quickly with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2. and look at verse 3 Here's what the truth is. Here's what the gospel is. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 He's talking about prayer in verses 1 and 2, but in verse 3 he goes into sharing why. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior. Who will have some men? All men come, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is how many gods? One God, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who, Jesus, gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time church what you need to know this morning is that this is what the gospel is the gospel is that god's desire is for all people to come to salvation to understand that jesus came to die for your sin if you're here today and you said i've never heard of this word gospel i don't know what this truth is that you're talking about or this gospel that you're talking about is it's really easy Here's what you need to know, that in the beginning, God created. And when God created, everything was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were in perfect uh, unity and oneness with God. Everything was as God meant it to be. And then shortly after creation, the fall happened. Sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve, the first parents, the first man and woman, chose to disobey and rebel against God and believe the lie of Satan. And when they chose to do that, it plunged you and I, mankind, the world, into sin, and now we're under this curse called sin. But thanks be to God, He didn't want to leave us in the curse. He didn't want to leave us under the judgment of sin. And so God had a rescue plan, and that rescue plan was Jesus Christ. And Jesus came into the world who knew no sin, that we who did sin might be forgiven and become the righteousness of Christ. And Jesus went to the cross, and He died for your sin, and He died for my sin, so that He could rescue us from sin and judgment and condemnation and forgive me and remove all of my sin and give me His eternal life. And then one day, one day, God's going to come back and He's going to restore everything back to perfection again. And the gospel is exactly what God said He would do. He sent a Savior for you and me. And Jesus is that Savior. And what the message, what the purpose, the point of us being here today is to take that rescue plan, that Savior, Jesus, to a world that needs Him today. That's why we're here. If you are here for any other reason than to help get the gospel into your life and to help get the gospel into the lives of others, then you are here for the wrong reason. You're here for the wrong reason. Because it is the gospel that brings us together. It is the gospel that allows us to serve together. It is the gospel that enables us to be one together. The gospel means good news. Tim Keller said this. He described the good news in this way. He said the good news means that we have been told what God has done and accomplished for us that we could not do ourselves. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is not uh, something that's a suggestion. No, the gospel is what you need today. If you're here today and you you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you've never knew what God did for you through Jesus Christ, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, then today you need the gospel. You need this good news in your life. Sadly, our churches are in not good shape today. Many of them are in bad shape for the sake because the gospel is not what's holding them together any longer. Because we're not giving people good news anymore. We're giving people our preferences. We're giving people our likes. We're giving people our dislikes. We give them what we think church should be. And the fact is, is that every one of you in here have a different preference. Every one of you have things that you're kind of like Burger King. You like it your way right away. But that is not the church. Jesus did not come and die on the cross so you could have church your way. Jesus came and died on the cross So that he could put together a new family of Jesus that loves him, serves him, and takes his truth to a lost and dying world. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus wants us to come together for that purpose. And what brings us together? The truth. The truth. The truth. That's what polarizes us together. Jesus is praying right here that our unity must be around the truth of the gospel to bring us together. Number two, not only do we see the truth is central to bringing us together, for polarizing us together, but number two, unity is possible because of what Jesus sees in you. Unity is possible because of what Jesus sees in you. Go back to John, if you would if you're not there already. And and look back in verse 20. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. Now, Jesus in His prayer is revealing, and and, and maybe you've not noticed this before, but Jesus in His prayer here is revealing a powerful potential. Potential. Would you say that with me? A powerful potential. Say it again. A powerful potential. You say, what powerful potential is Jesus revealing? Jesus saw the potential not only in the 11 that were in that room at that moment, but he saw the potential in the 120 that would be in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus also, through the portals of time, saw the potential that was in you, of what you could do, how you could be a part of bringing unity to the family of Jesus. He saw the potential in you of how you could be a part of our body, our family of Jesus, being one together. Now, you didn't know you had the potential to do that, did you? You didn't know that Jesus was looking down through time and he was praying for you because he saw something in you that you can contribute, that you can be a part of to make this happen. Turn over just a few pages back in John 14, John chapter 14. And let's look at this potential. What is the potential that I, that I possess and he's talking to the 12 here in 14, but he's, he's also talking about us. And notice what he says, here look at John 14, and pick up in verse number 10. He said, "Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He does the work." All right, watch this. You got, you're going to have to respond. How many of you like talking? you like talking all right this is your time to talk in church you ready so according to verse 10 jesus says who does the work i heard it who said it father so all right you got to you got to play along you got to play with me okay help me out this will go a whole lot faster if you work with me jesus says who does the work father does the work all right we got that father does the work do i do the work Do you do the work? Father does the work. Can we agree? Shake your head. All right, good. Look at verse 11 and 12. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. All right, question number two, verse 11 and 12. What is the work? What is the work? And I'll give you a hint. It's the very first word in verse 11. Believe. Believe me, Jesus says. Here's the work. I want people, guys, I want you, I want people in the world to believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. He wants the world to believe. He wants the world to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Believe me. So, all right, let's watch this. Who does the work? Father. What is the work? Believing. All right, number three. Look at verse 12. If you and I believe, then the kingdom work, the God's work that Jesus is involved in and doing... What did he say that we could be doing? First, you got got ahead of me. You got too fast. Back up one step. Go back to verse 12. The works that I do, he shall do also. That means I have the potential. You have the potential to be involved in the very same work that Jesus was doing when Jesus was here. Now, is that exciting or what? I get to have participation. Now look, we live in a generation today where we give participation awards. I can't say the word. Participation awards for everything. Well, if there's any award that I want for participating, it is in kingdom work. It is in the work that Jesus is doing. Amen? I want to be doing Jesus' work. Jesus says, hey guys, listen. Father's doing the work. He's doing a big work. And I want you to believe about me who I really am I'm in the Father and the Father's in me you are about supernatural work and I'm telling you that the work that you see me doing guys you get to participate in that work now if Jesus would have stopped right there I'd have said "Woo, man that is woo, it's good stuff that's exciting but he didn't stop there Jesus takes it to another level look at what he says in verse 12 And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. Not only, not only the present work, but Jesus said, greater work. Greater work. You know what Jesus is showing you and I? There is the potential for the Father to do greater things than what we even see in the three years of Jesus' ministry. So how is that even possible? I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. How is that possible? Do you know how far reaching Jesus' ministry was? Just a few miles. Do you know what kind of ministry we have now? Worldwide. Jesus ended up Do you know there are more people in this room right now that were in the upper room in Acts chapter 2? Is that a greater work? See, the potential, here's what Jesus is showing you and I. We're not limited, but when we come together, He is praying, when you come together, I want you to see that I see the potential of what can be done through you when a church comes together in unity, in oneness, and work together for the proclamation of the gospel. I see the potential of what Father can do through you. Even when you can't see it yourself, Father sees it. And He wants you to be aware that there is great potential in every seat in this building for Jesus to do great things in you and through you for the church of Jesus Christ. And the only way, the only way that potential rises to the surface is when we come together in one. When we work together for one purpose, one calling, one mission, which is the gospel. Say, Pastor, man, you, you got me hooked. So, what do I have to do to be a part of this? Are you ready? Look at verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what do I need to do? Pray. Pray. Lord, help me to know what my part is. How can I, how can I be a part of the church being in unity? What can I do to bring the church in unity? What can I do for that we all are one together? Because I want you to do a greater work in my life, and I want to see greater works in my church's life. So what can I do? You know what Jesus says? Ask, and I will give it. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Anytime you pray to further, when you pray for things that further the kingdom work of God, God says, I will answer it. You know why we don't see our churches going further? Is because most of our prayers are not about increasing his kingdom. They're about increasing our kingdom. Thank you, Brother Gary. You're welcome. Don't get mad at me. But your kingdom has no value in the kingdom of Jesus. We're not, to be, we're not here to build your church, we're here to build his church. This belongs to him. I read in the Bible. He died for this, not you, not me. My prayer should be about furthering His kingdom. Lord, who do I need to get right with so unity comes together? Who do I need to go seek and get forgiveness from so that our church comes together? Who do I need to walk alongside of and bear up and pray for them so that our church comes together? It's about His kingdom. And He sees the potential. The potential is there. But you know who gets in the way? Me and you. We get in the way. Because we get so caught up about our kingdom and not his kingdom. He says to pray. And then notice verse 15, look at what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. You pray and you obey. You pray and you. Will you say that with me? Pray and obey. That's it. Now, I want to say something shocking to you, and, and it may be shocking to some, may not be others. We, we get so discouraged in the Christian life because we're trying to obey things that we don't even know we're supposed to obey. See, what do you mean by that? Jesus didn't tell them exactly, He didn't list out all the things in order one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. He didn't do that. He simply said what? If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, how many of you ever had children? You ever had children? Isn't it funny when we parent that we expect our kids to know things that we've never told them to do? Like, you know, when you come home and there's, there's, there's the dishwasher suds are coming out of the dishwasher... And water's all over the floor. And you walk in there going, what did you do? Well, I just started the dishwasher. What do you mean? Well, how did you? Well, I just took, you know, we washed the dishes with the blue stuff here. I just put the blue stuff in here and turned it on. (laughs) What were you thinking? Don't you know any better than that? And we get on to them and we yell at them and we get it. And you know what? You know why they did that? Because they didn't know any different. They didn't know that you put the tabs in there, not the blue dishwash soap. But what did we expect them to know? We expected them to know it. Listen to me. God is not expecting you to obey what you don't know. But He is expecting you to obey what you do know. And so many times we get so caught up on the things we don't know that we neglect to do the simple things that we do know to obey. And that's what gets us in trouble. (coughs) Pray and obey. Obey now what you know to be doing now. And then let God reveal to you later as you go more that He wants you to obey. But if you take care of what you know now, God can bring everyone together in unity. When we do what we know to do. And then lastly, I'm gonna skip some here because Jesus said to. (laughs) Unity happens, unity happens when we behave as the answer to Jesus' prayer. Unity happens when we behave as the answer to Jesus' prayer. Go Go back just to John 16, real quick. Or John 17. And look at verse 20 again. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them which also shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Look at verse 23. I and them, and thou and me, that we, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved me, and thou hast loved me. You can write these down in Romans chapter 8 and verse 34, Hebrews 7 verse 25, 1 John 2 and verse 1. All of these passages, including John 17 we are told that Jesus is praying for us. And here in John, it appears that Jesus is praying not just for these 11 again, but for all of us that we would all have oneness together. And Jesus said, I am praying. I am praying for your unity. I am praying for your togetherness. I am praying for your oneness so that all of them that come to believe on me and all those that come into the new family of Jesus will experience a united closeness in will, in spirit, and in purpose. He says, I want you to come together for a unity of purpose, unity of spirit, and unity of the will. This is exactly the opposite of a church in the Bible called Corinth. Paul said about that church that they were carnal, for there was envy and strife and divisions, and you walk not as spiritual, but as carnal as men. What church do you want to be known as being? Strife, envy, divisions, carnal? Or do you want to be a church known as having oneness in will and spirit and purpose? So here's what he did. I want, you, I want to see to this, that how we, how we behave in our lives will determine the answer to Jesus' prayer. Say, Pastor, why, why so much about this thing of unity? Why so much about this thing of kingdom work? Why so much about be us being centered on the gospel? Three reasons. Look at verse 21. Identity. Identity. He says that thou, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and thy in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. First thing, when you and I walk in unity together, it will identify us as followers of Jesus Christ. Would you, would you not get mad at me? Would you shake your head and say, Pastor, we won't get mad at you? You ready? Jesus did not say, He did not say that the way you dress identifies you as a follower of Jesus. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not say, He did not say that starting at 1045 identifies you as a follower of Jesus Christ. He didn't say that. What did he say that identifies you and me as a follower of Jesus Christ? Our unity together. That the world will know we are one. They'll know it. They'll know it. That's our identity. How we do life together shows the world that we belong to Jesus. Number two, evidence. The second reason for oneness is evidence Look at what he says in verse 23. That the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them. The world will believe Jesus was sent from God when you and I have unity together. Oh, pastor, I thought it was, I thought it was how many doors we knocked on and, and I thought it was how, how many, how many uh, Christmas Eve invitations we give out. That lets the world know. No, no, no. He says the way the world knows that I am Christ, is how you have unity with one another. How you get along with one another. How together you are with one another. Our togetherness, our unity, is an evidence that Jesus was sent from God. And then thirdly, look at what he says. He says it gives our identity as Jesus followers. It gives evidence. Our unity gives evidence that we believe Jesus. And then he says thirdly, acceptance acceptance the world will believe on him our unity will speak to those who don't know jesus i want what they have because you know what the world does not have they don't have unity have you watched the news lately have you have you seen anything political lately is anybody in unity today no, what's going to bring people to jesus our unity now turn to ephesians and i'm going to make my prayer ephesians chapter three or chapter four now here's what here's what you and i have to do If unity is our identity, how people know we follow Jesus, if unity is the evidence that Jesus was sent from God, and if unity is the way that people come to accept the gospel, how they see how close and how united we are together, then, Pastor, what do I need to do? You ready? Here it is. You, as a member of Open Bible Baptist Church, or if you desire to join Open Bible Baptist Church, you must fight for unity you got to fight for it you see you mean we need to throw down maybe i don't know just kidding you need to fight for unity look at ephesians 4 and verse 3 look what paul said to this church you need to endeavor to keep the what endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace over four different times Paul writes that oneness and unity is expected from us. And he says here that we need to endeavor. That word endeavor means we exert ourselves. We make an effort. We work at having unity. Now, that's a problem because when we think we come to church, I come to church not to work. I come to church to sit. Oh, no, no. When you come together as the body, you are coming together to exert energy to be in unity with one another. You are laboring to come together. You're doing everything within your ability and your power to make sure that you are getting along with one another in Jesus Christ. He says, endeavoring. And then he says, endeavoring to keep, to guard, to protect. Actually, that word keep means that you set up an, an army, a battalion across the front here, and you set them up to protect the unity of the church. Your job in everything you do in this church is to protect its unity. That is your job. Every member has a job. It is to protect the oneness of this body. To keep, to protect the unity. Now watch this. Does he say here that you're to create unity? No, you know why? Because unity is already here. Jesus has already given us unity through the death and burial and resurrection. And when we come to faith in Christ, we have been given unity. Our job is to guard it, to labor, to rest in unity. See, we're not trying to create unity. We're trying to preserve it. And when we preserve unity, when the world sees that we are together for one mission, for one cause, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's what's going to happen. You ready? It's not the name of the church that's going to go out and make a difference. It's the name of Jesus that's going to go out and make the difference. I don't know if you've been in any, how many churches you've been, but I've been in a lot of churches over the years. A lot of churches. From Florida to California to Washington State, all over. To, to India, I've been in a lot of churches. I have yet to see what I'm about to say to you. I have never yet seen anyone walk into the door of a church, sit down in a church, and say and confess wow, I have never seen a group of people more together than this right here. They are together so much, and it is so different that I want what they have. I've never heard anyone say that. But don't you know that is exactly what Jesus is praying for? That the world will see how together we are how much we love one another, how much we care for one another, how much we are so concerned, not about our kingdom, but Jesus' kingdom, that it so impacts them when they come into the assembly that they say, I want what they have. You know what our goal is? Our goal is to be that kind of church. So that the world wants what you have. So let me ask you, can you say in your life right now that I am, I am so passionate about the unity of my church family that I want others to have what I have right now? Can you say that? If not, then maybe we need to look at our lives today. Would you bow your heads with me if we, just for a moment? Jesus is praying for you. He prayed for you. He's praying for you right now according to what the Bible says. And my question is, is, will you be the answer to Jesus' prayer today? Say, Pastor, what do I need to do to be the answer to Jesus' prayer? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you don't know the gospel, you don't, no one's ever presented the gospel plan that I, I, I mentioned a minute ago, Where you need to begin today is to come in unity with God. You need to make peace with God. And God's done His part. He sent Jesus to die for your sin, to make peace with you. It's your responsibility now to reach out and receive that gift of Jesus Christ. And He says when we receive Jesus Christ, He makes peace with us. The first step is having unity with God in your own personal life. Today, if you say, I don't have that, then after the service, we'd love to talk to you. Give us a few moments. We, if today's not convenient, we'll schedule a time. We'll come by and we'll see you and sit down with you and show you what God did to make peace with you and how you can have peace with God. But secondly, if you heard today and you say, Pastor, I do know Jesus. How can I, what can I do to have unity with one another? You need to repent and remove any distractions from the gospel in your life? What is it that's distracting you in your life today? What is a distraction that is keeping you from coming together with others in this family? You need to repent. That means to turn from it. You need to remove it. You need to replace it with the gospel. The second thing you need to do is this. Don't be the problem. Be the answer. Fight for unity, not against one another. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That person in this church is not the problem. The problem is the enemy. The problem is the lie. And he is lying to us all the time that we each other are the problems. No, we're not the problems. The problem is the enemy. What do you need to do today to fight for unity? in your marriage, in your family, in your church, at your job? What do you need to do today to fight for unity? Maybe you need to, right now, maybe you need to get up and go hug somebody's neck and say, please forgive me, I've been mad at you. Maybe after the church today, you need to go call somebody and say, I just need to let you know, I have, I have, I've been hurt with you and I want to get this right. Are you willing to fight for unity today so that people can come to Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God goes forward for Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And after my prayer, I'm going to turn it over. What is your response going to be today? Are you going to fight for unity? Father, we love you. And Lord, I invite everyone here to make a response in some way. Everyone needs to respond. Everyone needs to make a decision. Everyone needs to look at their own life today. I'm not the judge. I'm not the one that determines if there's unity or not unity. I'm not the one that that can even tell them what their unity is supposed to look like other than the fact that it is supposed to confess that Jesus is our Lord. Our unity is to draw people to Jesus. Our unity is to bring people to faith. And Lord, if we do not have that in our personal life, in our marriages, in our families, in our church, then how can we ever change the world with the gospel. Help us, Lord. Examine us. Search us. If we need to go get something made right, help us not to delay. Help us not to push it off. Help us to fight for unity today. And we'll thank you, Jesus.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.